0: Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you today in the house of the Lord. If you're watching online, I welcome you. Uh, If you want to be a part of our uh, worship service as it relates to our our time of giving, tithe and offering, you can do that there. But I hope that you have enjoyed the service so far that you'll kind of get still and quiet, get ready to receive uh, what God would say to us today. I've got a great word in my spirit that I've been uh, excited to deliver to you today and share with you to challenge you for this year. You know, it's a new year in case you didn't notice. It's New Year, you know, sometimes we miss these things, it happens. Um, uh, You know, I I said, I I gave this illustration this morning in the first service, and and apparently nobody got it. Uh, I play a lot of uh, games growing up and in my life I really enjoy uh, games, but sometimes every now and then I lose. I get way, way, way far behind. You ever get to the place where you're so far behind you know you'll never catch up? Again, nobody knows, does y'all know? You are just either that good or you refuse to play uh, Monopoly with your husband like my wife does. Um, (laughs) We decided very early on in our relationship that Monopoly would not bode well for our relationship, so we don't play. But sometimes you're playing along whatever it is that you're doing, you get so far behind, you just say, Okay, I need a chance to start over. Let's just clear the board, clear the score, and let's get a fresh start. And that's what a new year is. You know, you start off the year with New Year's resolutions. I'm going to uh, lose this weight, and it starts well, but then it goes bad. Uh, you know, you say I'm going to get out of debt. Well, that was working well until the car broke down, or you know, whatever may have happened. Uh, the, the the kid got sick, or you know, things happened, and you got to start over sometimes. Okay, I'm going I'm to start fresh again. But sometimes we get so far behind, we get we get to feeling like we'll never catch up. So why even try? You ever felt that way before? Well, this is a good time to just clear the air and start fresh again start over start over again, just a little um, challenge you today uh, as you begin your new year because what I want to do today is I want to challenge i want to give you a challenge as you set the framework of your mindset for two thousand and thirteen. I could give you five changes you ought to make this year to be uh, to have a better year, but I want to talk to you about your mindset. Uh, ...to make some adjustments that some of us uh, or many of us might ought to make from the Word of God... ...that I believe will dramatically impact uh, the course of your year and your future... And you'll look up at the end of 2013, and you will be, uh, have gone a long way towards fulfilling the, the promises and the purposes that God has for your life. How many of you would like to look up on January the, the 6th of 2014 and say, Wow, look how far I've come. Look what God has done in me. How many of you like to say that? Okay, I, I want to challenge you. Grab uh, two scriptures I want to read to you. James chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 4. James chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll use these two scriptures kind of a launching point today. And then we'll refer to a few others as we go along. But we'll stick with these for the most part. James chapter 1, verse 2. If you're there, say amen. Amen. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Father, I thank you for the, your presence that is here with us today. For the opportunity that we have to come and to worship you and to experience you, to learn about you. We're, we're a blessed people, O oh God. I'm asking that you'd be with us today, that you'd open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear from you, to be challenged by the power of your word. Touch us today, Lord God. Launch us into our future. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. James says, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Think about when I read this scripture when I think about falling into trials for whatever reason, it puts in my mindset uh, the idea or the concept I'm falling into a trial or falling into a hole that I may have contributed to. It may be partially my fault that I'm there. And every time I read in the New King James Version of this scripture, I think about you know the areas of my life where I just um, it's my fault that I'm there, and I just need to own up to it. Uh, but, there are other areas of your life that are that are not that way. Uh, there are other areas of your life that you just encounter things. I, I want to read to you from the New American Standard Bible. Watch what he says same version, a little bit more I mean same Bible, same verse, a little bit more accurate version. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. to me, this takes in all the parts uh, of the trials that we face because there are sometimes. There are things we go through in life that we had a direct effect on, that we caused, and other times there are things that happen to us that we don't cause. We just we didn't have anything to do with it. We just encountered them. We were just minding our own business, and we encountered them. Some things we are at least partially at fault in. I, I went on a uh, I got invited on a deer hunt this week in South Texas and. Uh, they called me on Wednesday. We left on Thursday, came back. Uh, I, I uh, came back to Houston late last night and drove in this morning to be at service today. And, uh, but we had this, this character that went with us and this guy was, he was crazy and awesome all at the same time. If you're a duck dynasty fan, this guy was Cy Robertson without the beard. I'm telling you, everything was like, you know, hey Jack, and and uh, going back to v- Nam and the whole deal. I mean, this guy had a story for everything; it was never ending. He cracked me up. One of the funniest things he said all weekend, true story. He said, he said, you know, Randon, we're, we're sitting in a deer blind together, and he ain't stopped talking the whole time we're there. And he said, he said, uh, you know, I've been shot twice in my life, gunshot. I'm like, what? You've been shot twice? Yeah, I've, I've been shot twice in my life, and. Only one of them, I think, I probably deserved. <laughs> what? <laughs> that night we're sitting there and we're talking, and he says, "Yeah," he said, "My brother's an FBI agent, and he arrested me here a while back." But he said, "I got to tell you the truth, it wasn't my Harley that I was driving." <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? But. This guy, he, he recognized he's gotten a lot of trouble in his life. He must have told me 30 times uh, this weekend. You know, I guess it's because I'm a preacher. He decided he had to qualify a few things. But he said, you know, I, I wasn't always the fine, upstanding citizen that I am today. <laughs> I'm like, dude, <laughs> that story was from last week, man. Come on. <laughs> but, man, we had a time. Uh, but he does realize in his life there are some things that he went through that he He caused. And there are other things. One time he got shot and he deserved it. The other time he got shot and he didn't deserve it. Now, for me, I don't ever deserve to get shot. There's no good reason to shoot me. <laughs> um, but in his mind, he, he probably deserved to get shot. And so, but, but there are some times in life we go through trials, and if we were really honest with ourselves, how I many of you know we'd say, well, you know what? I probably caused a little bit of that. Maybe not all of it, but I caused some of it. But then there are trials that we didn't cause. You're driving down the road. You have a green light. You go through the intersection and someone T-bones you right in the middle of the intersection. You didn't do anything wrong. You were just driving and they hit you out of nowhere. Things happen. Let I mean, you know when you're walking through your life, things happen. Here's the problem though. James says, consider it all joy. <clears throat> he didn't write it like this. My brethren, my friends, my brothers, all of you guys... It is all fun and joy, happy, happy, happy when you're going through trials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that was another Duck Dynasty reference. Uh, that was two references in one sermon. Look at there. Uh, he said, listen, it's not all fun. He didn't guarantee that life was going to be fun. But here's what he said. Consider it joy. It may not be easy. It may not be joyous, there may be a few tears, there there may be a little frustration in life, there may be some trials before you, but I want you to treat it, or consider it, or make up your mind that you're going to be joyful in the trial. The ones that you caused, and the ones that you had nothing to do with. You are minding your own business. Because these are the ones that, that make us bitter and frustrated and angry. These, these are the ones that, that eat at us and wear at us. When, when we caused it, if we're honest with ourselves, we, get, we may get frustrated with ourselves, but we, we usually get over it with ourselves very quickly. <laughs> uh, but it's the ones that we didn't have anything to do with. You were trying to live your life healthy and, and suddenly your body was invaded by cancer. Why me? I go to the gym every day, I eat right, I I don't do all the things that they say cause cancer. Why did it happen to me? And yet it did. And, and these are the types of trials that can wear on you and frustrate you and bother you. And it's these, it's all of them that he says: listen, when you encounter various trials, trials of all kinds, consider it all joy. All of it? He said all. Consider it all joy. Consider it all joy. Count it as joy. So this is is a challenge to us. But but he's telling us, you're going to face trials. He didn't say, if you uh, face them. But he's saying, when you face trials, consider it all joy. Now, I find this fascinating because he uses here... Uh, As we read on the New American Standard. It said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, remember we read in the New King James. uh, The New King James translated the word as patience. Uh, But the the more accurate term is the word endurance. Uh, The testing of your faith produces endurance. Next verse. And let endurance have its perfect result. So that you may, may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, what does this word endurance mean? The testing of your faith produces endurance. It means steadfastness, steadfastness, and constancy. Literally translated, like this: the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety, even by the uh, by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So, so here's what James is saying. He's saying I, I, it's going to produce endurance in you that is going to tell you no matter what you face, nothing will distract you from accomplishing the purposes of God in your life. Because some things are, look very easy when you're standing on the sidelines. Some things seem very simple. Some things you say, I, I can do that. There's no reason to worry about that. And, and then you get on the football field and, and, and they're trying to knock your head off. And life gets a little more difficult and the pace picks up. Why? Because it's not always as simple as it looks from the outside. But he said, listen, when you get in the middle of it, I, I, am, I am producing endurance in you. I'm, I'm creating endurance in you so that as you're walking, trials are coming. But the difference is going to be you're going to be over, able to overcome them and walk through them. So count it joy because they are actually going to help you get to where you're going. Endurance is produced. It is a work. The word produced there means to fashion, to render one fit for something. So God is rendering you fit for his work and his purpose is in you. you. Say, God, why haven't you completed all that you said you were going to do for me? Well, you're not ready yet. No, no, God, I'm ready. He's looking and saying, no, 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 you're not quite ready. You're not quite fit. I am rendering you fit. I am getting things ready to release in you all that I've promised for you. And trials are part of the process. So James says, consider it joy. Yes, it's frustrating. But consider it joy, because if you could see from God's perspective in front of you, he has got good things, a purpose and a plan for your life, a a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. But to get there, you've got to go through a few of these trials. So just remember, if you're going through a trial and you're trusting in the Lord, there is a purpose in it somewhere. And he's, he's allowing you to walk through it because he wants you to get to a better place. So, consider it pure joy, because if he didn't care about you, he wouldn't have a future for you. But he does. So consider it pure joy. Now watch this. 1 Peter chapter 4, I want to read from the New Living Translation. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Back that verse up to verse verse 12. Because here's what happens. We we come into the church, we get saved, we get to know Jesus, and we have this idea that once you get to know the Lord, and if you can just live right, and just live an upright lifestyle before Him, that nothing bad is ever going to happen in your life. You're not going to have to. It's just going to be like you're walking on clouds, just floating around forever. And, no, and there's just no going to be no trials and no temptations and, and no, no adversity. Everything is just going to be good. The Lord is going to make it all good for you. And Peter is writing to people who thought that. But yet are facing trials and they're shocked. Something is happening to me. A bad thing is, I lost my job, but I live for Jesus. right? He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. Jesus never promised that He would take all the troubles of life away. And you no, that'll happen when you get to heaven. There's no sorrow, there's no troubles, there's no pain. All is well up there, but listen, I'm not in heaven yet. And I would love to live in heaven on earth, but there's still a few things in my life that I have to walk through. Things I'm going through even now that I've I've got to walk through. So I can't look around and surprised, shocked, I can't believe it. This, and you turn and you come to your elders or your pastors and you say, I, I, Can you believe this? This is an unusual phenomenon in humankind. Nothing like this has ever happened before. And we're like, Dude, what are you talking about? I heard the same story last week. Because things happen to all of us. And so Peter says, Don't be surprised. Acting like everything is going to, uh, you're never going to have any problems in the world. You're going to face things. But, you have an advantage because you have God on your side. So you'll walk through it if you trust in Him. So it says in, in verse 13, uh, instead, be very glad. This is a, a transition of the way we view adversity in our life. The, uh, be very glad. It sets the framework and the mindset. James said, Consider it all joy. The New International Version says, Consider it pure joy. Uh, and, and, and Peter said, to uh, be very glad. Well, I don't understand sometimes why we're so shocked when we face a- adversity. And then we start looking for something to blame it on. A few years ago, um, I discovered that I was lactose intolerant. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with that before, but it feels like somebody's sticking a knife in your belly and just ripping it all around. There's not anything you can do about it. Tylenol doesn't help it. Aleve doesn't help in it. Nothing I had in my drawer was helping. And it, it happened quite often. And uh, But I didn't know that I was lactose intolerant at the, at, at the time. I, I'll tell you when I can trace it back to, because when it started. Uh, but when I was going through one of these, I thought it was an attack of the devil, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, and, there's, and for hours... And if you've ever been there, you understand what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling in, and it always seems to happen at night. So you're rolling around the bed, and you're, you're sweating, and you're hurting. And my wife is like, are you dying? And I'm like, yes, I'm dying. And then, and then I'm sitting there, and this is God's honest truth. Every time I'm like, Lord, how, how, what did I do? <laughs> Whatever sin I forgot about when I was eight years old and I lied to my mama, forgive me, Jesus. I'll never do it again, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, I must have done something about it, then I, then I, then I uh, you know, this is like, this has never happened before, and I'm trying to find something to blame it on, then I realize, okay, it just, it just happened, and I had to, had to go through it, but then I found out, uh, Because that's what we do, you know, when we're going through trials, we say, okay, what did I do to cause this? You know, I don't know, maybe you don't do it, maybe it's just me, Lord, whatever sin, whatever hidden sin in there, Lord, get it out of me, get it out of me quick, get it out of got. Lord, help me. That was probably a bad time to say, get it out of me quick, but (laughs) sorry about that. but I'm going to tell you when, when that started, and so I have a little bit of the blame in the matter. I, I, I'm totally convinced of this. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm totally convinced. Uh, I never had a problem with this until I, I was uh, on, a, on a trip with a friend of mine who's an elder, and, and he was eating cereal with water in it. And, and we're all eating, like, milkshakes and stuff like this, and he's eating cereal with water in it. And I said, man, what are you doing? And he said, man, I can't touch milk. Well, I started kidding with him about it because I, I have a little problem with that. Um, it's, it's in the process. The Lord is working on it. I, 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 you know, and so I start kidding with him and joking. But I might have went a little too far because that night, <laughs> it start, I'm not even kidding with you. And that was like probably eight, nine, ten years ago, and to this day, I have to be very careful and take all kind of pills. But it started that night. So I, I, have to, I, when I tell you the Lord's working on it, I have to back every now and then. I say, you know what, Brandon, you don't want what he's got. So let's just <laughs> just back away from that. I want to I help you today uh, because as we, as we go through life, um, we will face trials. We will face adversity. Um, we, we have to walk through it. But we need some tools to go through it. If God is wanting to do something in me, first off, I've got to be able to get through it. And secondly, I've got to figure out what he's trying to do. So i want to give you seven tools, seven steps to help you face adversity, to set your mindset. Because adversities in your life can either be things that break you down and cause you to stop, go backwards, be defeated. Or they can be are opportunities that God wants to use to release you into your purpose and into your future. I personally would like adversities in my life. If I'm going to have to go through them anyway, I'd sure like them to launch me into what God has for me. The first one is simply this, recognize, recognize, recognize that adversity produces benefits that can't be achieved any other way. Sometimes there are lessons in life that we cannot learn unless we go through a little adversity. Sometimes, I I don't know about you, but uh, there were a few things, a, a job or two that I had to be fired from to get the point that I was making some mistakes. Anybody ever been there? There are a few things in my life that I've had to walk through. I had to go through them because I wouldn't learn it from a book and I wouldn't listen to anybody else that told me I had to learn it the hard way. So we got to recognize that there are some... Uh, that adversity produces benefits that can 't be achieved any other way, sometimes we have to go through it. Gold is only purified in the fire, so unless you walk through the fire, gold is, is not worth a lot to us. So the first step to overcoming adversity is to recognize that it is a necessary part of life don 't get caught up in the lie that you 're only one in the world under attack, and that your adversity is some rare event in human history it 's unique to you, and no one has ever been through it. Somebody 's probably been through it before or something more just as serious. Uh, if you if you start down that path, it'll lead you to a victim's mentality, uh, and 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 just the science behind it. If you go back and do some research, and uh, it, it leads you to a very dark place. You don't want to go there. Uh, so everything starts with recognition. Be honest with yourself. Be honest about your life. Is, is it really as bad as I think it is? Sometimes we get so caught up in our stuff that we don't even stop to look around and say, Well, you know what? Maybe I maybe I am blessed. Maybe I do. This is okay. Maybe I can walk through this. Look at what he's going through. I I wouldn't want to trade for him what he's going through for anything. And then recognize that trials happen, but God is at work. When when we're screaming, where are you, God? He's saying, I'm right here. I'm trying to work on you. Number two, treasure hunt. Treasure hunt. If there are benefits that can only be learned uh, as I walk through adversity, I want to find them. I want to know what they are. I want to seek them out. Listen, I don't want to walk through adversity. I don't want to go through trials. I don't want to go through troubles just for the sake of it. I don't want to go through all of that just to say I did. To buy me a t-shirt and say that I conquered. No, no, no. I want to learn something in the process. I, I, I want to find what God is hiding for me. So that hopefully I don't have to come back there again. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search out the matter. So God hides things in adversity, in adversity, and as we're walking through it, we got to be looking for him. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? So often when you're going through difficult times, does your prayer s- sound like this? Lord, uh, I'm, I'm struggling. I think they're going to let me go at my job right now, and I, I need a new job. Either keep this one or give me a new one, Lord. But I really need your help, God. I, I've got bills. I've got uh, I've got a family to feed. I've got a car note. I, I you know I need a job, Lord. I need you to come through for me. I mean, uh, pray something like that. Whatever your need, baby, you're praying. What if in the process of it you stopped and said, "Lord, you know that I need all these things. You you know." Uh, you, you said, "My Father in heaven knows that I need a place to lay my head, and food to eat, and clothes to wear." He knows all that. So, Lord, let me let me let me ask you this question, God: As I'm walking through this adversity, what do I need to learn? Change your prayer up a little bit, and go on a search, God. What do you need me to learn in the process of this? Now, I'm not saying you know you ever do this, but I'm telling you, time after time after time, I pray for person after person after person who's going through difficult times. And we don't always have to stop to ask the question, God, what do you need me to learn in this situation? Number three is to respond. Number three is respond. Adversity can lead you to God or away from Him. Respond to God. Don't turn away, but draw closer. If you respond to God... You respond in the way that God instructs us to respond and teaches us to respond. He will actually give you more grace. It produces grace in your life. And if you've ever walked with grace and without grace, you understand that I'll take grace every time. And nothing in life humbles a person more than adversity. God wants us to be humble. He wants to, he wants to humble us. So, so when we respond to him, we must respond in humility. But no, nothing in life produces more humility, a faster, than adversity. You remember of Moses. The Bible says of Moses, at the end of his life, he was the most humble man on the earth. Well, that's that's fascinating because if you back up to the first few chapters of Exodus, you read how he he is living in the palace, he's living as a prince, and he goes out and he ends up killing an Egyptian. And the Hebrews that were there that he thought he was helping, they look at him and say, who made you judge and ruler over us? Now that doesn't sound like a very humble man who, who is acting like he's ruling everybody. He wasn't in charge of anybody. He wasn't the real pharaoh. He wasn't a real prince. But he's acting like it. And he's walking around and treating people like it. And they say, that doesn't sound like an humble person to me. But after when he fled and he spent 40 years in the desert... He went from living in the palace to to, to living in huts and tents. And he went from eating the best of everything to having to to hunt and scrounge and grow his food. He went from wearing the finest clothes to wearing whatever he could make and find. He, He went from the top all the way to the bottom. And in that process, in that adversity, somewhere along the way, it humbled him. He comes back. They go through the plagues. The people leave Egypt. And he walks through all of these trials. The people are hungry. God, what are we going to do? He's got a major adversity. Now listen, you've got a couple of million people that are hungry. They haven't eaten. They're in the desert. They can't go to McDonald's. They can't go to Walmart. They can't go to Sam's Club. They they can't do that. So what are you going to do, Moses? He calls on God. He learns through the adversity. Manna comes up from the ground and they're fed. Well, that's not enough. We don't want just miraculous bread. That's not enough. We need some meat. Okay, God, they need some meat. Quail fall from the sky every morning. So now they've got manna and they've got quail. Well, we're thirsty now and we're out of water. We're in the desert. There's no water. He strikes a rock and out of the rock flows a river enough to, to water millions of people not just like a little a little water fountain at the park no, no no a river comes flowing out of the rock he is walking through adversity and every time God comes through for him he is being humbled even more because in the process he's recognizing I am not doing this on my own I can't do it on my own he's 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 humbled as he goes to every day for, for the first portion of their time in the desert, every day he would get up and he would stand and, and he, he, would, he would sit up the front, and people would line up in front of him as far as you could see. And from sunup to sundown, he would deal with all their problems, adversity after adversity after adversity. He dealt with so much that at the end of his life, all that adversity had created so much humility in him that the Bible says he was the most humble man on the earth. Humility is created in us. One of the fastest ways is by walking through adversity. But here is the good thing. Here's why this matters. Because the Bible says in Peter that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So you're walking through adversity, and you're being humbled. The pride is removed, and the humility is coming in. And God's saying, good, now all this grace I've wanted to give you, I can. Couldn't do it before it's because you had a little too much pride and you refused to have humility in your life. You refused to, refused to humble yourself before the Lord. But now that you've decided to come to me with an humble heart, now all the grace you'll ever need, I'll give to you. How will you respond to the Lord? Number four is simply this. Submit. Submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit. I I, I won't stay here long uh, because I, I'm referring now to a message that I preached on Wednesday night. It's challenged my life, and I believe it would be a challenge to you. You need to you need to get it. You need to get the podcast um, and and look at it as you look at your life this year. And here's the point: the Bible says in James. James wrote that uh, the tongue is an evil, evil thing. It it, it is inherently evil, and no man. Not me, not you, not any man on the earth today, or any man that has ever lived or any man that will ever live, no man can tame the tongue. No man can, you you can't tame the tongue. It is it is inherent, it is a fiery thing. It it is evil. This is what he says about the tongue. And the problem is, in Proverbs it tells us, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you can't control it, and if you can't uh, tame it, then when you're just speaking these words and you're spewing out life or death. Well, uh, li- you're spewing out evil and death and you're now living in a world that your mouth created because we couldn't tame it and we can't tame it. So what do we have to do? We have to submit it to the Holy Spirit. Because the only one who can tame it is the one who created it. And God is the creator of, of my tongue and yours. And so he said, You've got, we've got to submit it to God. God spoke to Moses. He was giving him his excuses for, uh, for God was uh, Moses was giving God his excuses for why he couldn't deliver the people and why he couldn't do what God was saying, and he said, "I can't talk very well, Lord. I'm, I'm not a good speaker." And God said, "Who made your tongue? I made it. Who made your mouth? I made it. I can control it." And then He said, "You go, and I will be with your mouth." I'll help you learn what to say. I'll give you the words. I'll tell you what to do so that you're declaring life and speaking life and creating a world that, uh, uh, that you get to live in that is a world full of life and good things rather than death. What are you saying? Submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit. When you go through adversity, what are you saying in the midst of adversity? What are you saying? What are you saying? Number five. Number five is replace. Replace. Allow adversity to, help, adversity to help you replace worry and fear with trust. Every time you face adversity, you have a decision to make. Will I have worry and fear? Will I have doubt and confusion? Uh, or, or will I allow it to control me and take over my life? What will I do? If you allow these things to take over, they'll shut you down. Uh, that cause you to be unable to move. Sure, you may get up and go to work every day, and you may seem to be living life, but you know good and well you're not moving your life forward because you're afraid to move. You don't know what to do because of the adversity that you're facing. The other option is you choose to trust God. You choose to rely upon Him. You choose to turn Him. Jesus told us that our Father in heaven knows what's going on in our life and we don't have to worry if we seek him first and his righteousness. He'll take care of the rest. In chapter 14 of the book of John, Jesus says, Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You trust in God, trust in me also. So you can replace fear with trust in God. What will you do? I read the story this week of a young man. And I don't know this young man, but I do know, I met his father one time. He's a a fairly famous uh, author uh, and businessman, owns a a number of companies that you would recognize. And uh, the story goes like this. His son was in culinary school, one of the premier culinary schools in the nation. And he was going to school to be a chef, obviously. That's what you do at culinary school. And he's going to school to be a chef, and about the last semester or so, He goes over to a friend. His friend just just moved into a new apartment. And while they were kind of getting all the stuff set up, he was going to kind of cook everybody a meal to celebrate this new place. And that you know, hey, I'm a chef. That's what I do. Uh, You load the furniture, I'll cook. So they're doing their thing. And as he's cooking along, he reaches up on a shelf and sees a candle. He says, hey, I'll light this candle, you know, "and, and make it smell a little nice in here. And as he lights it, he realized that he did not light a candle He just lit a quarter of a stick of dynamite. True story. Immediately, he realizes, okay, this is a fuse. He throws the the, the dynamite into the sink. As it releases from his hand, it explodes. They call the guy's parents. They were in another city. They jump on a plane. They fly there. I believe they were in Philadelphia. Uh, when this happened, and they and they fly in, they race into the hospital. They're they're fearful, they're scared. Uh, what's happened to our son? Did he did he lose his life? Is he disfigured? Is he burned? Uh, did he blow his hand off? I mean, you know, you, we've all seen in uh, the cartoons of what happens when you blow up dynamite. You know, this can't be good. And, and they're just they're they're panicking, and they walk into the room. And, and I want to read to you verbatim uh, what this young man said. Uh young, he was about twenty years old at the time, and I want to read to you in his words his response they walk in with fear and 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 scared and confused panicking worrying his career his future is is he alive and here's what as soon as they come in he says dad shannon shannon is his his stepmom he said am i glad to see you listen to this am i blessed or what if I had released the dynamite even a half second later, I would have lost my whole hand. I might even have died. But instead, I've only lost my fingertips on my holding hand. My cutting hand is fine. I'll still be able to cut an onion. Now, once not you to get a picture of this? The man just blew up his hand with dynamite, and his parents walk in and they're scared and crying and, "Oh, baby, are you okay?" You know how mamas are. And, and he said, am I glad to see you? Can you believe how blessed I am? Dude, you just blew up your hand with dynamite. Who calls that blessed? Well, it's a change of perspective. He, he changed his perspective on the deal. as we all go through adversities. But he changed his perspective. He said, man, I'm blessed. This thing could have killed me. It could have blown my hand completely off. I got a few broken bones. I had some burns. I got casts on both hands. I lost the end of my fingertips. But hey, the good news is it's on my holding hand. I can still hold a knife and cut, and I can still do what I love to do. He went back to school. After he recovered, he went back to school, finished his last semester. And he became his his courage, his commitment, his endurance became the talk of the school. And he ended up getting nominated for one of the top... Uh, culinary awards in the entire world a school uh, uh, or a company or whatever in Switzerland gave him one of only 100 awards that they give out they gave him one of them because of his commitment and and uh, and his whole story they just fell in love with and they gave it to him now he's uh, a big-time culinary chef and won all these awards and done all these great things but he could have lost it all in one day but he looked around and said you know what I am blessed Take charge of your own emotions and your own response. Replace your fear with trust. Turn to God. Change your perspective to what God is seeing and see what he has for you. Trust in God. Number six. Are you okay this morning? You're a little little quiet today, but that's okay. Uh, Number six is simply this. WWJD. Now, I want you to be honest. We are in the house of the Lord today. How many of you at some point in your life had a bracelet, a bumper sticker, or a t-shirt that said WWJD on it? Let me see some hands. Let me see some hands. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. WWJD, what does that mean? It simply stands for, what would Jesus do? And so the big craze a few years ago was, what would Jesus do? Whatever he would do, you do that. It's, 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 it's a great policy. Whatever Jesus does, do that. Because Jesus was incredible at dealing with adversity in his life. Everything he walked through. He always knew how to walk through it with wisdom and with understanding. And he did exactly the right thing all the time. So this is a wonderful policy to say whatever Jesus would do, do that. But when you really begin to study what Jesus did, it's a little harder. Think about this. These Roman soldiers grab Jesus they begin to whip him with a cane and then they whip him with a cat of nine tails and, and then and then they Place a crown of thorns on his head. They rip out his beard. They give him a cross to carry. Now remember, while he's carrying this huge beam, he's bleeding and he's it's, it's it's just horrible. It's the worst thing you can imagine. He's in so much pain. I don't even it's hard to even imagine how he was able to handle it. And he carries this cross all the way up the hill, and he's hanging on the cross. And he he had every right to be upset with them and to be angry with them and to hate them and to curse them. And listen, he is God, and if God curses you that's not good but he doesn't look down and curse them as he's hanging on the cross and they're mocking him and they're still spitting him and they're, and they're still uh, he's in so much every time he takes a breath he's got to lift himself up on the nails that he, they've driven in his hands and his feet and pull himself up so he can actually breathe and he looks at them and he says father forgive them now you got to think about this Put this in perspective of the timeline of Jesus. Jesus didn't wait until he had already died and been resurrected from the grave. And the pain was gone. And the blood was gone. And now there were just some scars in his hands. He didn't wait until he was in heaven at the right hand of the Father to say, Okay, God, now that I'm not hurting anymore, Father, will you forgive them? It's not what Jesus did. Right in the middle of all of it. And the worst pain imaginable, Jesus looked at the people who were doing it, doing him, and he said, Father, forgive them. Now, that's a challenge to me and you. Because it's one thing to forgive somebody ten years later. Well, it's been ten years now. I guess I might as well forgive them. <laughs> but can you forgive someone right in the middle of them hurting you? Because that's what Jesus did. So it's fun to say, WWJD, but can we really live life the way Jesus did? I want to challenge you this year to look at your life and to forgive everybody that you can think of that might need to be forgiven. Maybe they don't need to be, maybe they don't deserve it, forgive them anyway. I want to challenge you in your marriage, those of you that are married in here today, to to forgive and just start completely over. What would it be like... To go on a date with your spouse and not fight about something that happened six months ago, what would it be like to get a fresh start and to remember why you fell in love in the first place? What would it be like to not uh fight with your son every day and and and, and the, for being unruly and wild and rebellious and everything else that he might be? What would it be like to just forgive him and start fresh again? pastor Brandon, I can't do that. Jesus did. He overcame every kind of adversity you can imagine. If it worked for Jesus, it'll work for you. Could you forgive? Well, Pastor Randy, you don't understand, they're still doing it to me. Jesus did it. Well, when they get done, Pastor Randy, I'll forgive. Jesus did it right in the middle. Father, forgive them. Number seven, we're coming to a close now. It's just simply this. Be. Be bold. Be courageous. Be strong. You you get to decide how you're going to be this year. I want to challenge you to be bold. Be courageous. Be strong. When you're facing things in your life that are sure to come. Be bold. Be courageous. And be strong. Because Uh, it is producing endurance in your life. That thing that says, I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep driving towards what God has for me. It's out there. It's a purpose. And I'm not going to turn away from Him. I'm not going to let the devil distract me. I'm not going to get off. I'm not going to get angry with God, but I'm going to keep driving towards. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be strong because I know that God is with me. His word says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. And in the world, you will have tribulation. If any doubt that you might have in your life about whether you're going to face trials or tribulation, Jesus is going to erase it from you right here. You will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Don't ask God to be on your side this year. What are you talking about, Pastor? Don't ask God to be on your side. I want you to change the question. I want you to change the request. God, I don't want you to be on my side. I want to be on your side. I, I, listen, if, if we could quit getting, trying to get God to come over to our side, we might get a lot more done in our prayer time. Because the real thing about prayer and the real thing about getting God to move is to get on board with what He's doing. God, what side are you on? Oh, you're over here? Okay, I'm going to come over here. Not standing on this side of the fence and and trying to get God to move. God, I want to come to where you are. And when I get on God's side, I understand that he has already overcome the world. He's already won this thing. He already knows the end. He's already been to the end of this trial. He's already been to the end of this adversity. He sees how it's going to work out. And And so when I get on that side now, because I know if I'm on God's side, he can work this thing out. He's already seen how it ends. Now I can be bold and I can be courageous and I can be strong because I've got God. I'm on his side. I'm on his side. I want you to know that God is for you. I want you to know that he wants to be with you. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the challenge as you set your mindset and the framework of your life this year. Don't be surprised when you go through things. Don't be worried when they happen, but trust in God. Turn your fear into faith. Because faith pleases God and faith pleases heaven. Let God work it out in you. Welcome adversity this year. When you, when you face it, be prepared to overcome and grow through it. Recognize it as an opportunity to see God's will fulfilled in your life. Adversity comes to the saved and the unsaved alike, but you have the God advantage. Get on his side. I want to pray for you today, and as I challenge you and in just a moment, our pastors and elders are going to come. We're going to pray. These altars are going to be open. And I want to ask you some questions. Who do you need to forgive today? Not wait till tomorrow. Not wait till next week. Not to wait to see how it turns out or see how they respond. No, 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 no. Who do you who do you need to forgive? Remember, Jesus forgave you long before you came to Him. When you were still sinning, He had already forgiven you. So, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to get a fresh start with? Do you need to allow yourself to be humbled so that God can release grace in your life? Do you need more grace? God, humble me. Do you need boldness and courage and strength? God wants to release that to you today. I believe that this is going to be the year that every adversity that you face launches you. Into your future, into the purposes and the plans that God has for you, that keeps you on track with where He wants you to go, It doesn't break you down, doesn't cause you to stop or back up or get dismayed or discouraged, but He keeps you moving in His way. Would you stand with me this morning, pastors and elders? Come. His altar is going to be open in just a moment you need prayer ministry of anything for anything you want us to pray with you about a situation you're going through you need help okay lord i need help show me what's happening here what do i need to learn we want to pray with you you need you need something to move and shift in your life you've been facing adversities and you need uh, god to lead you through he wants to do that today maybe it's a trial that you caused and maybe it's a trial that you had nothing to do with but he wants to work on your behalf uh, we want to pray with you today. We want to stand in faith along with you, believing that God's going to come to, through for you. Because our God is awesome. He's faithful and He's strong. We're going to worship. We're going to sing just another moment. Uh, in, in, as, as these altars are open, it will be dismissed. But God is good. He's going to come through for you this year. Amen? Father, I thank you for every person in this room that is going through trials and tribulations and adversities. Father, if, we've, if we're going through them now, I pray that you'd be with us, that you'd walk with us. Father, if, if they're headed our way, Lord, you promised that we would go through them. But we're trusting and believing that you're going to stand with on our side, that we'll, we'll be with you. That we can walk through with boldness and courage and strength. We shall overcome, but not just overcome, not just make it out and survive to the other side. But God, we'll come out stronger. We'll come out with more faith in you, more trust in you. We'll be able to see what you uh, have wanted us to learn and to grow in the ways that you've wanted us to grow, oh God. I I I pray for those that need to forgive, that need to start fresh. Give them the courage to do that, the courage to release it and to let it go and to forgive, even in the midst of our trouble, even in the midst of people continuing to hurt us, Father. Allow us to forgive. Thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen.